Muzzle it, Corgi. This okay. question matters to me. Okay. I hey, that. take that, oh. Corgi, you hey. little bitch. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Uranium After Dark, the weekly cinnamon podcast that has three losers in a basement using nuclear scenarios to play Dungeons and Dragons. This is episode eight. I'm your host, the Bearded Trader. And along for the ride again this week, we have Uranium Corgi and 100K Uranium. How's it going, boys? It's going good. What's up, BT? It's going good. How long does it take you to how long does it take you to think of those intros? Uh, you know what? There's times during the week where I think of something. I'm like, oh, let me put that in my uh, Apple Notes, and then I'll remember it for later. Yeah, you. Said I always it. think I'm not going to have one. <laughs> it's actually the highlight of my week when I can think of something. So that one, I'm going anyway. to have to listen to that a few times. I went over over my head. I'm sorry. Well, you're also so young, you may not even know what Dungeons and Dragons is. Um, so you're pretty good. Um, we we had uh, another rough week. I think we ended up on a high spot on Friday. A lot of people are saying dead cat bounce. How are you guys feeling about the old portfolio? Uh, not good. Yeah, I'm not good. <laughs> I'm pretty hungover, so I don't know if it's a hangover or my. Yeah. I'd rather we just uh, introduce our our yeah, guest. I, you know, well, I was prepared for this because. No, he can't. And I actually I knew this was going to happen. So, sentiment's not great. Uh, we feel good about Friday. We'll find out tomorrow which direction we're headed. So, actually, the ASX opened up nicely. Uh, ELA was. We'll see it tomorrow. It was up ten percent. That that yeah. I, but don't we? We'll that's see. not even a real stock exchange, right? Isn't that what you said? Hundred sure. K. It's just want to be. Well, it's smaller, no. but it's a good. It's a good. Uh, it's good to see some green down there on Sunday night for sure. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, on the heels of that uh, <laughs> very stunning revelation about sentiment <laughs> last week, I would like to take a second to introduce our second official guest, the man with the nuclear plan mustache, Mark Nelson. Yes. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, gentlemen. Good to be here. This is great for us. This is this is. I feel like we're taking it to the next level and. To the few people who messaged me on the side and kind of laughed saying, no, like you're lying or like not going to happen. Just like jokes on you. We got them. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I appreciate being invited. I was just on uh, Bloomberg this week, but you know, that's what that wasn't on my mind. It was this podcast <laughs> with that uh, Corgi profile pick, that wild oh, okay. dude with 100K. And then whoever the beard is, yeah, I was like, this is yes. this is the highlight. This is the highlight of my media week. Ah, oh, so good. I, well, we really appreciate it. I, I, yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think it just, and, I think uh, it shows how passionate you are about this movement that you'll even spend time with us to talk about it. Yes. Which is, oh, guys, nice. I, I'm, you know, I'm tearing up a little bit. I need a second to recharge <laughs> and make some kind of mean put down joke. <laughs> oh, don't worry, that'll come naturally here in a minute when Corgi gets under your skin. Uh, how about you no, tell us no, about yourself no, a little no, bit? No, no, uh, no, no. Nope, nope. I will mute your mic. Um, <laughs> tell us about yourself and how did you get to where you are now advocating for nuclear? I think I'm just really, really good at failing. 
let me let me explain that. So I'm from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, in a family that was in, involved in energy, and my dad is multi generational petroleum engineer, and my my mom is in nuclear medicine. So naturally, as a kid, I thought both were the most boring things I've ever heard of, both energy and nuclear. So joke was on me. I ended up going into nuclear energy. How that happened was I went to Oklahoma State University where there was no nuclear engineering program. I was doing aerospace and mechanical engineering. And then because I, I don't know, maybe I'm a spook, I uh, was taking Russian language too. So I was doing Russian, aerospace, and mechanical engineering. And then I had a lovely scholarship given to me by an old oil man at Oklahoma State University, the Wayne Allen Scholarship, and that's a scholarship to go to Cambridge University in England to study engineering. And Jeez. Cambridge had just started a nuclear engineering program at the same time that uh, Thorium, you know, the meme tech, was going around the internet with a few early TED Talks and a um, bunch of bunch of Reddit posts and stuff like that, all talking about thorium, the magic fuel, right? Um, and so I, you know, at that time, if you guys had found this space, it would have been uh, uh, 100K thorium trader and all that <laughs> other stuff, right? But anyway, I saw that. I was just thinking, wow. So if we could just get over whatever's holding us back, we can solve all our problems and live happily ever after. And that sounded like the most incredible thing I'd ever heard. Uh, definitely was too young to think of something like that and think too good to be true. So I applied for the nuclear engineering program, got in, went over to England, and it was off to the races. I absolutely loved everything I was learning about nuclear. Uh, very quickly learned that thorium has some issues and that, you know, you have to start your reactor with uranium or plutonium. Anyway, that's one of the first things you learn when you come into nuclear uh, talking about thorium. And then... I got my master's, started my PhD, and got uh, basically chewed up and spit out, spit out during a very tough time for foreigners in Britain, where the government's, like, the government's job was to kick out as many foreigners as possible. And so I was a foreigner. You know, I wasn't from the EU. I was American. You would think that wanting to be a nuclear engineer would get you through the, the filters, but the problem is Britain hadn't figured out its nuclear policy yet. It hadn't figured out its nuclear plans and they barely wanted to hire anybody. So one of the ways they show they don't want to hire people, nuclear engineers with master's degrees in Britain at that time were getting offers of about uh, $39,000 a year salary. How much? About $39,000 a year was my offer salary to go work on the nuclear fleet. Jesus. That, um, that, that, that's not going to, that's not enough. That's not enough. Well, I don't know if your dream is to work on nuclear fleets and, and, you know, if you work on nuclear fleets in England, you're living in these small, adorable towns in the most beautiful countryside in the world, right? That's yeah, true. That's kind of cool. But I have, to say, I have to say, you're, that's a, you're, 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 you know, intro, it kind of mirrors my undergrad experience. Yeah, right. I did a... <laughs> I did a um, Oklahoma I had a Cambridge. I had a two-minute yeah, class. For, no, no, no. Just hear me out. For a Russian, uh, he was a professor, um, but he wasn't like a bad Russian. He was like a nice Russian. Uh, named Professor Josephson. It was uh, science, technology, and society. And I did a. Uh, there was like twelve people in the class, and I did a presentation on Indian Point and why um, basically it was good for New York City. 
and I, I like this was so long ago, and then they shut it down. Now New York City is like 100% carbon or 93% carbon, and just nailed it. So we're like the same, Mark. I love yeah, that's Gordy, actually a really thank cool you story. That. Did you get a good grade? I, I actually, he no. gave me a good grade. I actually got, I got, I, I, I swear on baby chance, I got an A in that class. I was oh, into wow. it. I was like, I'm minus. really impressed. So, because it was your only A in college, you thought this is my future, right? It was, well, so, yeah. Um, like, Indian Point, it's like you didn't have ten. to say yes to that. That was a loaded question. I was just trying to get into the mood of you guys being mean to each other. Oh, I, to be honest, I don't know what that word meant. In college, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know either. <laughs> Yeah, he oh, didn't know what college meant. <clears throat> oh. I mean, listen, honestly, Corgi, you're, you got a law degree, so you ended up okay. Uh, just kind of funny that now you're like pictures on billboards, like um, Better Call Saul, that kind of deal. But I think you'll, you'll get it together. Yeah, you. Okay, so, so how is it, it that I come on <laughs> here and now you guys are all nice to each other? This is ridiculous. I was promised something very different. Oh, no, well, it's it hard time. because 100K doesn't talk. <laughs> so, like, what are you supposed to say? He's not going to talk for the next hour. This guy, and... this guy just talked about getting his PhD, and he went to Cambridge. And you have the no, nerve! Hold, you have the up, nerve to chime in and wait, say that wait, mirrors wait. your experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't being... get my PhD, boys. You, we didn't get the whole story. Okay, yeah, yeah. So what what happened was is um, I had you know a great environment there at Cambridge. Couldn't be happier with almost everything except. There really wasn't much to study that anybody had asked for. If Let me put it this way. If you have a, a, a graduate nuclear engineering program and there isn't a nuclear reactor to be found, like there isn't, there isn't a university reactor left in Britain. We saw the last hmm. one. It's Imperial College's reactor that was out at the far side of Heathrow Airport, and they shut it down right after we visited, Ugh. ending, you know, what, 60, 70 years of research reactor uh, experience in, in UK universities. Mm. So that's a warning sign, right? Oh, there might not be something going on. Here's another sign that graduates are being hired for, you know, less than 40K USD a year. If you have a master's degree and if you have a PhD in nuclear engineering, you're getting hired for around, I think it was about 50K or just under a year. That indicates that Oof. something is going badly wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I ran into this problem where I couldn't figure out why exactly I was doing any of the research projects that had been proposed that I was working on. Um, everybody wished me well. It's just I couldn't figure out who asked for this question to be solved. Who wants this answer? What am I, what am I developing that's going to be used to either make decisions, uncover some new information? And you might say, oh, well, that's not the point of the PhD. It's just the degree. Well, I don't, I, I, there are some amazing people I know with the ability to, to just keep on through a PhD, even if nobody asked for it. But I'm not one of those people. I just can't care enough. So I tried to leave. I, I, I asked about that, that 39K a year job with EDF, and they never got back to me. And I kept waiting, and they didn't get back to me. And at the time, if you were a student and you didn't have a job offer, you get kicked out essentially immediately. So I got, you know, left my program, got my visa canceled and ran out from England with my tail between my legs back to the U.S. Wow. This is a problem. This is our this is a problem. This is our, our system. 
everywhere like oh, we need our smart people to get paid so much more like if we want our smart like scientists to cure cancer we want our smart nuclear people to like save them we gotta pay like you get like i know it's not about the money but like you gotta pay these like geniuses like a shit tons more money like we gotta keep them like you know like well careful you know? because i could counter and say if they're so smart why aren't they making money already yeah but I just feel it, like there's something else. Let me let me push back a little bit. I'm just trying to say you should be getting paid. <laughs> I think that I think that Britain is about to harvest a very very bitter set of lessons about what happens when almost all of your talent and energies as a society go into financial the financial world I, and and that you're building things, you're you're developing things, your physical trades start to rot. Um, that is what has happened to Britain and they have a very, very rough decade coming. And I'm not just saying that like bitter, uh, you know, I'm not just calling it sour grapes and, and I, I will, if I couldn't make it, then I want Britain to fail. Absolutely not. I love, I love the UK. I love that they're going forward hard on nuclear. They just have an extremely rough decade where their old reactors are going to be shutting down and nothing new is going to be ready. Their old uh, natural gas fields are fading out. They don't have new ones coming in, or certainly not enough. Um, it's going to be a very rough decade. Where, what about with, the... Go on. I'm sorry. I'm, I was just going to... like. What about the like the investment um, like Rolls-Royce is doing? Like That's what we hear about in like, the uranium space, all those SMRs. Like, is, that, is that not going to manifest itself in the UK, or just not... You said a decade, but I mean it. It might. It might. Um, so one of the problems we have now is that where nuclear hasn't been built, in many ways, we're starting the nuclear industry again from scratch. So the question is, if you're starting the nuclear industry from scratch, how should you do it? Whether they should have or shouldn't have, the UK acted in a way to get at least one mega project in nuclear started. That's Hinkley Point C. That's uh, two very large reactors, pressurized water reactors from, uh, from now the company is Framatome. At the start of the project, it had a different name, but uh, that's long projects for you. So the UK decided to build these two giant reactors. Yeah, they took, mm -hmm. what, five, six years to decide to do it? Um, that was the time period where I couldn't get a job because they hadn't decided whether they're going to do it or not. The only reason they decided they could build those reactors is because the UK government took on no financial risk itself. It promised that if the governments of France and China managed to complete their reactor, they would be allowed to collect uh, electricity revenue at a fixed rate for a long time. That fixed rate was a price about 100 pounds megawatt hours, what it is now. That price was ridiculed as being horrible, a horrible deal for the people of the UK until this last year, and now it's considered an insane bargain, and EDF and China are probably like, wow, we left billions on the table, mm. because the energy the energy pendulum has swung in the other direction from oversupply to undersupply, now there's not enough energy. Anyway, the reason why I'm saying all that is because whether they should have or shouldn't have, the UK has restarted their nuclear industry with a very particular type of project, a mega project to build two giant PWRs right on the coast. This I is think, why I'm sorry. I think that they should continue that effort and scale scale it up. In other words, do more projects where the exact skills 
the exact planning procedures, the exact construction techniques, everything is needed almost exactly the way it is at Hinkley Point C at other sites. Now, how many skills are transferable to a different type of nuclear construction, a different technology, a different uh, hierarchy? I don't know. It's really not clear to me whether if you are a construction manager helping dig out foundations and put putting in nuclear grade base mat concrete in the first few years of Hinkley Point C, are you going to be just as good doing work like that for any other design of plant? Or is there something about you and your crew staying the same and the layout of the plant staying the same that's the key to unlocking competency? Here's mm -hmm. here, not even competency, veterancy, where the person on the site couldn't write you an essay about what they're doing. They might not even be able to explain how they manage people in a podcast. They just do it because it's the way it worked mm -hmm. while avoiding the previous mistakes the last time, right? Yep. When when my uh, ex boss and mentor Michael Schellenberger went over to the uh, the Koreans over to South Korea to ask how are you building reactors so quickly, um, it was it, a lot of people struggled to answer that. It's just something they did. Mm. You know, if they wanted to write an essay about it, they would have gone into literature. So, I mean, they would have. The, the, what, there's so much knowledge that makes a construction site go that is tacit, that is unspoken. That is mm -hmm. not recorded, maybe not even recordable, because it's not utterable by the people who are making the changes and making the management adjustments that allow construction projects to go quickly. This, Let this me is give you go on. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say this is this is why I feel like um, you know I'm not jealous of anyone who lives in China. It's like I don't want to live there. And I'm not supportive of their government, but like to have like a top down edict where like the, uh, you know, whoever's in charge there can be like, you go build me like 150 nuclear power plants and don't talk back and just do it, you know? And like, that's what they're going to do. And like, that's the political. Okay. You know, Let me push back a little bit though. That makes their nuclear enterprise very unstable where it's not clear that they, that the people in China have enough uh, love or even uh, any kind of basic understanding for their own country's nuclear program to survive either a change of leadership to an anti-nuclear leader or maybe what happens in China if they have a three-mile island style zero casualty meltdown. Huh? So what happens then? China needs that nuclear. What Will they be able to keep it or will leaders be so scared of public fear and anti-nuclear uh, sentiment that they're going to shut down building nuclear. Already, the current leader of China has drastically slowed the rate of building of nuclear in China. I think uh -oh. maybe one, two reactors total have been, uh, uh -oh. two, maybe two nuclear plants, I need to check on this, have been started at all. Can we, uh, we, can we delete this part of the segment? <laughs> this is like our, this is like, this is like our this bread in. Is, this, is like our, this is like a super, this is a catalyst. This is a catalyst for the uranium. Um, Eighty, hundred fifty. You mean China billion. going for nuclear? Uh, yeah, they're not. They're going big. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I think I think that they should keep going on that program. I think they should do it, and I think that the work that has to be done to make sure that the world is supportive of nuclear and the outside world builds nuclear and and 
is is enthusiastic about it is a key part of whether sentiment in China will be durable to any sort of interruptions in their in their program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they I mean, you shut like, Texas. Well, this week. I mean, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just, just going to say, last summer we had. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I will shut up. Shut up. Okay, so last year in June, one of their reactors had fuel issues, right? And a bunch of the rest of the world freaked out over those fuel issues that, you know, uranium stocks, I think, I don't, I don't mess around with uranium stocks, but you guys would know, didn't uranium, uh, the uranium market plunge on the news from Taishan having Listen, fuel issues? Listen, the uranium market plunges when like anybody farts weird, you know, <laughs> it's always negatively correlated to everything. But yes, it did. Um, Are you talking about the flood. nuclear power plant when you talked us off the ledge on that spaces? Oh God! Yeah, uh, we should. I don't. I don't that, think I was in a not. space. I I wasn't in any space in June. No, that was, not you know, not for that. that. You were you were in a space around the firefight when it was going on in Ukraine. Uh, that's where I think we first saw you. You had a space. Yeah. talking about. Listen, we were going to jump off like, a thing. <laughs> I was going to jump off a bridge, and then right. I heard your voice. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. No. Um. Here's here's the irony. I, there's been a very terrible tragedy this weekend. Uh, some some uh, some kid went and shot up a supermarket oh, in New York, yeah, right? Yeah, and I'm love. seeing a lot of this sentiment on Twitter where people are like, wow, it doesn't even shock anybody anymore. Nobody even calls for new laws. We've just become accustomed to it. That is horrifying and true. You know what's less horrifying and true? If we had more nuclear incidences, like the last two months of nuclear incidences in Ukraine, People will learn that 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 almost every nuclear incident can't do anything to you. Mm-hmm. That there's basically nothing that can happen to a nuclear plant that can hurt your health anywhere in the world, even if that nuclear plant has to be completely written off. That and is, we've yeah, that is had amazing. enough incidences in Ukraine combined with the false alarm in China. Not false alarm because it wasn't happening. Heck, Taishan. One still has not come back online. Did you know that? It's still mm. one of the biggest reactors in the world is still offline over there in China as they work out the fuel issues. It's just that the world has completely forgotten about it. And if they if it comes back on the news, it's going to get a lot fewer clicks because a lot of people aren't going to care about it anymore. That is mm-hmm. the problem with nuclear is partly it's been so perfect that the few incidences that make the news, the few industrial accidents that make the public consciousness dominated. If there were a lot more, like here's, you know, let me, let me, let me do more exposure therapy for you boys. You know, there's a bunch of nuclear accidents that killed a load of workers that no one ever talks about. No, we, no, that, that, that's not true. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Including in the was U.S., that, we've had multiple yeah. fatal accidents in the U.S. at nuclear plants. But it was pre pre uh, the new safe reactors. No, it's just uh, high pressure steam is dangerous, right? Right. Yeah, don't get it in your face. It's just nobody cares about the accidents unless it triggers society's phobia about radiation, unless it triggers society's link in its mind between radiation and nuclear war. If you drop a turbine and it crushes a worker like at Arkansas Nuclear One not too long ago, nobody really cares. The family grieves. The power plant is shocked and grieves 
A lot of safety investigations get done, but the outside world does not care. You could have a nuclear accident that kills a dozen workers and it just would go under the radar as long as it didn't uh, impact the core. So you're you're saying you're basically it's a little counterintuitive because what you're saying is like almost like a nuclear accident that got a little bit of publicity and then people would say well this is like the first in a long long time and it would bring like some eyes onto this you know onto nuclear are you saying that it would be a good thing well i think ukraine's going to end up being a good thing because all the anti-nuclear folks went on the news and talked endlessly about how this was another chernobyl or five chernobyls or mm-hmm. everything was the end of the world and then it just wasn't then mm-hmm. the ultimate dream of an anti-nuclear person a tank battle a nuclear plant caught in war no sick everything they could have ever wanted to to demonstrate that nuclear was unsafe and the that nuclear w- plant didn't even turn off. That was the craziest night of, for uranium. That was the craziest night of our investing lives, for sure. Because then the ASX was going and the uranium stocks were plummeting. And that was before you got on the spaces and kind of talked us off the ledge. And then uranium 100K was, I was crying, was crying yeah. to me. Yeah, it was like, oh, we're going to lose everything. And I'm like... That was the first time I learned, uh, uh, I think, from Mark that that you can like literally crash a 747 jet into a power plant and there wouldn't be most likely be any consequences. Like I, through that incident, I started to learn, like I almost became more bullish in, in a sense where I was kind of realizing, holy shit, these are like incredibly safe. Do you know what I mean? Think about what's happened since then, guys. The nuclear plant has been held in, in many ways, you could call this intolerable. It should never be acceptable. And yet, at no point did the order come down, apparently, to shut down the plant and cease operations <laughs> from the Ukrainians. And even crazier, the Russians were occupying the nuclear plant, but they had no way to, like, I don't know, take the power without pay. Sorry, that's a weird thing to say, but, like, the load, most of the load for the nuclear plant is still on the non-captured part of Ukraine. So, yeah. like, bills were still going out to entities. The, the The nuclear operator was still putting up, they were putting up notices like, this is a horrible war crime. This has never been seen in world history. This is absolutely unacceptable. We need a no-fly zone. So that was coming out from the nuclear operator next to things like, do remember that in these tough times, we understand how hard it might be, but please pay, pay your bills on time. Yeah. <laughs> so they were, they were rightfully asking people to pay their bills for this very cheap nuclear electricity coming out of a captured nuclear plant where the staff was able to keep the plant going and keep it going well during all of that. This is like a, in some ways, this is our solely moment. This is like crash landing the airplane on the Hudson, proving the quality of people involved in nuclear is so high that it can deal with almost everything in the world right now. That's extraordinary. That's an amazing story. And I think we're going to have a lot of incredible stories coming out of this. And I'm not even discounting that there could be an ugly battle to retake the nuclear plant. And maybe they're going to they're maybe they're going to have a reactor damaged or lost. And you guys mm-hmm. need to be ready for that. And it still will be the most important power plant in Eastern Europe. Even if they lost a reactor. Think of that. Why? Because at today's energy prices, it's essentially irreplaceable. It is worth tens of billions, that plant. Yeah. 
they were one of the reasons that Russia wants to take it, and it's one of the reasons that Ukraine won't shut it down. That's how valuable nuclear is. When the chips are down, nuclear is the most important and valuable energy source in the world. That's what we've learned from Ukraine. Yes, that that was unbelievable watching that on YouTube and seeing like bullets like being sprayed at a nuclear power plant. That was insane. I think it was an extremely bold and clever move from from the Ukrainians to instigate that fire plant. For one, they loved their plant and they didn't want it taken over. Two, they they gave the whole world a preview. What happens if nuclear plants are are the site of battles and wars? It didn't tell they us really anything. And I hope it never happens again. Yeah. But but it stayed online. The staff stayed professional. They put out warnings to say, hey, stop firing on it. Nobody listened to the warnings. The plant got captured. The employee training center got, you know, completely wrecked. And the sun came up and the plant kept going. That's not that cool, though, that they did that, that they instigated the because I thought like I thought, like this one guy, Look, he's like Russian. you weren't there. You weren't there. You can't judge. Uh, what would we have done? I just don't know. There's a there's a very important moment at the beginning of Gladiator uh, where, you know, the the Germans completely misrepresented, you know, I bet they've been calm and and, and reasonable even when doing horrible things their entire existence as tribes. Mm-hmm. But at the very beginning, you have these Germans depicted as crazy tribesmen who are about to get slaughtered and they say they won't surrender, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, what? One of Maximus is, uh, I guess, the head of the Praetorian Guard, whoever it was, says to him, Quintus. Why won't it? Yeah, I think that was it. He says, a people should know when they're beaten. And he says, would you, uh, Mac- would you Quintus, would I? Exactly. So although I would like to think that I love nuclear and am very responsible and would never let, you know, a squadron of security personnel set up for a rocket ambush um, in a nuclear plant parking lot that I was trying to defend, I don't know because I haven't been there and I'm not going to pass judgment on those who were. And the end result Mm -hmm. is that the plant uh, was the first one to be taken in war, had an actual battle and... uh, went through the night and kept going the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. I'm, I'm with all that. Yeah. And so although I think that was, was insane for those of had... us on the outside, none of it changed the fact that the walls are 1.2 meters thick. Doesn't mm-hmm. none of That's our like, fear uh, made the steel uh... reinforcement going, <laughs> go away. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Still standing, still working. And that was that was a night for <clears throat> all of us that are in uranium. And obviously that's kind of the the crossover. You're you're more in the space of hey, we obviously we're trying to make cash. Uh, we see a <laughs> yeah. thesis here. We like and I'm not, you know, I don't want to make light of it, but like you're kind of the goods, you know, the good thing that is behind what we're investing mm-hmm. in. Yep. So, along those lines, can I ask you, Mark, I mean, We've got a crazy cast of characters on UTwit, we've uh, which I love. It's awesome. But have you watched anything from the fuel side, which is us over here investing in uranium, bring any kind of awareness to nuclear or are we kind of like a, a flea on the side of a dog? Like, have you noticed anything that maybe we're doing positive or that we could do better with that? Or do we just are we dial tone to the whole nuclear industry? <laughs> 
It is my opinion, honest opinion, even though I'm not part of your crazy community. I'm not involved in uranium securities. I don't mess around in things in power in general because I'm doing too much to try to, to act on the policies. I just don't want to get involved with it, and I like to stay clean. But it is my opinion, and I think I have evidence to back it up, that interest in uranium and nuclear fuel has made a fundamental difference already in the future of nuclear energy, and it has been positive. Here's why I say that. Can you repeat that? Sorry. Sure. That just sounded tell too me good. The uranium community <laughs> has fundamentally changed the fight to save and expand nuclear energy for the better. Oh, baby. I love hearing it. Here's the thing. There's no guarantee that if we suddenly built a lot more nuclear, something wouldn't come along to make a breakthrough to make all your securities worth less, right? Not worth uh, less, but worth less. Okay? What's less than zero? I mean, they're worth, you know, we just want to save the planet. We're, I, it was I, a I'm bad two saying, weeks, I'm Mark, just saying okay? that there's no guarantee that if we had less nuclear out there, that wouldn't lead to crazy shifts that allowed anyone with diamond hands to make a lot of money in bursts later or something. I'm just saying that there are that you could build a narrative where nuclear increasing or decreasing could lead to both good things for you uranium people and bad things, okay? Let's say oh, yeah. that an increase in nuclear caused every single country to, that cared about energy security to stop caring about the market price of anything and to make their own weird little uranium sources that cratered the markets for every every single thing in the fuel supply chain because countries believed in energy security more than they believed in uh, getting the best price on nuclear fuels, okay? I'm not saying it's going to happen. It probably won't happen. There's a bunch of reasons why it wouldn't. I'm just saying that it's not impossible. And yet, and yet, the enthusiasm for nuclear that seems to come from the vast majority of people involved in uranium has changed the conversation, partly by being the way that big trading houses and the financial industry is finally looking at nuclear energy. Not through electricity, not through electricity markets, not through ESG, not through any of that. But because of uranium, that sounds so and good, some of the, the early leaders in your in the uranium in the world thesis appear to be people. What? Sorry, he said we're saving the world. I think I'm saying you guys are the good guys, regardless of whether you end up go. making money. And I suppose that I hope karma is kind to you, and you guys make a ton of money because I've seen the enthusiasm for uranium fundamentally change the presence of nuclear energy in important conversations. That is, it's putting nuclear in conversations that it wouldn't be in if there wasn't uranium to talk about. That's, that's great. That yeah, that that's how I feel like how most of us feel. I mean the I mean yes, like the investment thesis for I think for a lot of people comes first, but in the back, you know, I'm I was first, you know, interested because of, you know, trying how are we going to achieve these like you know carbon goals and all these things but you know the investment thesis like like makes a lot of sense but uh but to hear that uranium is kind of uh 
we're kind of doing this earth saving kind of superhero stuff. That makes me feel a lot better about all this money I've lost in the last two weeks. So <laughs> thank you very much. And if you'd gained the money, you could have said it the other way around. The fact that it's doing good for the world could make you feel better about the filthy lucre you're, you're, you're hauling off to the bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will always, always feel good about the filthy lucre. I'm going to tell you that now. Um, let me ask and you. And here's this. something else, guys. Thing. Here's you're making money and losing money along with people who are fundamentally optimistic about the human condition. That's another powerful thing I've learned from the uranium investment space. That is, that's why we do what we do, baby. That's why we make the means. That's why Hunter K is why he wants to date a nuclear lady. You know, is we just, just have nuclear babies and, uh, and uh, shit, man, I I'm super pumped about all this. Yeah, if only I knew someone. Okay, well, that let me connections. let me jump in really quick and say <laughs> that where we dropped off my story, I'm an unemployed PhD dropout, slumming it in Cleveland, Ohio. Not, I no offense to Cleveland. I'm not saying Cleveland is a slum. Oh, no, I'm no, saying it's a. Wait, sorry to cut you off. No, no, it, it no. Cleveland is terrible. It's terrible. It's 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 not good. It's an incredible I place. Be friends with anybody that lived there. <laughs> it's a horrible place. Oh, it's dark and. Desolate. It's an amazing place to figure out what well, you're yeah. trying to do in the world when your your dreams of being an actor. When you're down and out. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> in Cleveland, I could sit comedy, there and stare at electricity out. market electricity market data. I could stare at um, nuclear news. I could just spend time trying to think what matters in nuclear. What did I not learn while I was technically in school? Um, and what's next? And what happened to me is that I realized that something that people didn't have a good idea about was how much carbon a national electricity grid was putting out in order to make power in each you know, time period. And I realized there wasn't any place you could go to look at it. This was before the ages of the electricity map, right? So I pushed my Excel, Excel skills forward a little bit and made a chart that's now you know, quasi-legendary in certain, very particular uh worlds of Twitter, where I put German emissions in red and made it a data point for every hour in the year, all 8,760. And then I put French emissions hourly in green. And I put them on the same graph on the same scale from from January 1st, you know, uh, this would have been 2015's data series that I did all the way to December 31st, last hour of the year. And the results ended up looking so visually striking that I think it 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 caused a little bit of a, a shockwave on Twitter where you just saw what it looks like to compare a Germany versus France. Even the people who knew that France had a bunch of nuclear and Germany has, has less nuclear weren't prepared for just how different it looks to show the carbon output of Germany versus France for making electricity. Yeah. So that chart, which I made while unemployed, you know, sitting on a couch, I think I was, I had a sort of day labor job, uh, carrying boxes and, and stage equipment and, and instruments for a Baroque orchestra in Cleveland. I, that's how I was making money to pay rent. I made that chart and it, I think it, it broke out on Twitter. I didn't even have a Twitter account at the time. So I did, you know, I couldn't even log in, but it broke out and I got a bunch <laughs> of emails, people saying, how did you do this? Part of that time period, uh, part of that, that, that incident is I ended up getting a spot over in Breakthrough Institute in California, 
and then moved to California for that summer internship. And that, that set me off away from my multiple years of wasted time in the PhD. And I haven't looked back. Wow. How'd you, what should you, and you met Shelly, I'm assuming in Cali when you. So this was the, this was 2016 and it was the first year that Schellenberger had split from his, his previous institution, Breakthrough Institute, uh, very different styles, heading off to do very different things. He was still around a little bit at some of the the conferences and things, but, um, and we met each other and it was brief and cordial, but, uh, yeah, there wasn't any thought that that would be my direction. And then there was a a very special event happened. There was this debate in California about whether Diablo Canyon should stay open. And of Mm. course, everybody who was anybody and smart knew that you should go with the crowd. Whenever you see a bunch of Californians thinking one way. You should probably just join in because it's no doubt a super smart thing to do, right? So that's what was happening. And Michael was up on stage at this debate, just getting ganged up on and he was doing okay. And he was in San Francisco at the Commonwealth Club and, you know, he was, he was holding his own and it was okay. But then I heard some things that just weren't true, right? So I, I did some math because I had my laptop there because I'm a huge nerd and I stood up with the microphone and I said, (laughs) how can we believe what they say about carbon? They're lying to their customers, blah, blah, blah. It caused a bit of a a shit storm. Uh, Schellenberger came up to me and said, hey, how'd you do that math? And I said, well, I mean, this is how I did it. But even more than that, I need a job. So and then uh, we sat down together at his house and that's so cool. He interviewed me and he said, this is where I, I see us going, but it's going to be a hard journey. Are you in? And I said, yes. Part of the truth was I needed a job. The other thing <laughs> was I could sense that something crazy was happening. The gap between where nuclear mm. was with the shutdown of San Onofre and the impending shutdown of Diablo and and the, you know, already it was clear that there was going to be a huge spike in electricity prices and in California, just the gap between what was occurring and whether it could continue, which in my answer, I was like, no, it can't continue or California will be a failed state. That gap was so giant. I was addicted to the danger. I was addicted to the path that said the whole world that's says uh, we should go on a I path wish that doesn't work. Go for it. Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just thinking in my head, I wish like when um, in New York, when like Cuomo and AOC were talking about shutting down Indian Point, I wish there were someone with the cojones to kind of call them out on the bullshit, you know, in real we time. We tried. We tried. Um, this is what I mean when I say there isn't a nuclear industry. You know, Intergy was our best friends. We were making statements. We were putting together climate scientists um like obviously we we couldn't and we couldn't take their money because we're a non-profit and schellenberger was really 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 strict about our standards and and i i didn't understand that until later you know what energy did they went behind the backs of all of us trying to fight to say to any point and they made a deal to get basically what it, the equivalent of a big cash payment to save their upstate plants in return for yanking the, the plug hmm. on indian point it was, it was Entergy? Dirty. Entergy, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, boy. I don't... Out, outside of their home territory, Entergy is positively German. They're doing things that don't make any financial sense at this point in terms of forward price of electricity and natural gas prices and market prices for electricity and sentiment in both Democratic and Republican administrations and 
and uh, you know subsidies available for nuclear plants. Intergy wanting to shut down Palisades is just, it's like the Germans saying, we have a plan, it's suicidal and horrible, but we already planned it, so we're going to keep doing it. That was that was the Intergy that shut down Indian Point. That's the Intergy that wants to shut down Palisades. Um, and so that's is what we're a- dealing with. So when I say we don't have a nuclear industry, that's what I mean. If, if Intergy is paid um- up, dues-paying member of like of the big nuclear lobbying bodies, those nuclear lobbying bodies won't say anything about energy's behavior. They just won't say a single damn word, will they? Will they? Not a word. Yeah, you did. What is like the what is like the main argument for why people want to shut down a plant? So in in New York, it was a, a a number of things, including daddy issues. Like I heard from an old Cuomo family friend that. Um, his dad shut down one reactor and he wanted to shut down two to cement his legacy. That, that, that's exactly right. I grew up in Westchester, 10 minutes away from West Point. His dad, you know, daddy uh, is on, you know, named in the bridge, the Cuomo Bridge. And it's just, it's just nepotism. It's terrible. And it's all about daddy issues. It the, all the, comes back the only, to daddy if issues. If we're going to steel man the argument to close it, the one valid one is, oh, if the nuclear plant had a meltdown, you couldn't evacuate. New York City, to which I say, then don't. Then don't. First of all, don't have yeah. a meltdown, but, uh, you know, barring that, it's a PWR. Don't vent. Just don't. And then don't evacuate. So that's done. So that's, I would say that's the steel man. Exactly. All the environmental stuff, environmental groups don't give a damn about the environmental stuff. That's all smokescreen. They'll look whichever way... They're paid to look. They'll look whichever way fits the biases of their founding members and stuff. Like the 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 environmental group said, no, we don't need Indian Point because we're going to replace it with hydro. Then the day Indian Point's gone, they're like, oh, we have to go. to say about right, Indian sorry Point. Sorry about that technical difficulty. Pick back up where you were at, Mark. Sorry. Sure. Where were we? We were saying that Indian Point, uh, Andrew Cuomo and... Uh, and just his little and, oh, and yeah. the riverkeeper okay, right. and all of them. About, hey, Corgi, either get a little further away from the microphone, or you know, you, you're you're blowing my ears out. Right now. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Is this uh, better? No. Just look at your little look at your little bars. There's a visualization showing you your. Uh, shit, this is like one of those charts you do for the, the German versus French energy. Yeah, I'm trying to like decipher this. Take, take, uh, take this. Shit. Ah, uh, shit. I don't want to be German. I don't want to be Cuomo. Why don't you, why don't you uh, exactly average your volume with, with uh, bearded traders and then we'll be good? Yeah, the, we've tried this before. It's uh, uh, I, I can turn him down later, but maybe quit talking, Corgi. <laughs> I will not to not talk about Indian Point because that's like my, you know, it's Wouldn't my backyard. You take your headset off and then like set it on. I have no idea what he's doing. Uh, set it on the chair. Yeah, if you if, <laughs> if you move the microphone further away. Oh, I, got, I got these Jabras for my, for my work. Uh, so it's like a microphone. Uh, shoot. Um. How about, how about now? Is that oh, a little bit better? Exact same thing. That's okay. We can let Mark keep going, and then you can chime in when you're ready. Uh, 
How do I do it? Like, what do I leave leave to and do? come back. Leave and come back. Oh no, we're recording. Yeah, probably do that. Yeah, just leave and come yes. back real quick. Yeah, see if that fixes it. Okay. Sorry, Mark. Uh, this happens every week. No, it's okay. And it may end up being that some of the most valuable thing you can do, things you can do from this, is just break out clips, and especially if there's answers check, to check. people's individual questions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Check. Hey, way better. You're it. back. All right, so just splice yeah, and dice. Yes, you're good. You're good. So we left off yeah, on yeah, we okay. were talking yeah. about right. So we were talking about whether, down. yeah, why they want to shut it down. And we we got through the uh, is Freud in the right word there? Not even sure, but the, uh, we got through daddy issues. Yeah, we did. We got through the um, evacuation issue. In other words, like, would you need to evacuate New York City? Would a bunch of people die? That assumes that there's some amount of leakage that would be so harmful that the correct public health response would be evacuation. That just simply isn't the case. It's just not factual. Um, it just really isn't. So that's taken care of. And anyway, New Yorkers now know how to shelter in place. So that's an even mm -hmm. dumber excuse now, right? Yeah. Right. So we got to the environmentalists. The environmentalists claim, oh, well, fish eggs or, oh, we just like other types of clean energy more. It's just all that is just noise. It's bullshit. It's just to shut the plant down. They don't care about any of that stuff. They will change their arguments the second they get a nuclear plant shut down. They will change whether they care about carbon to putting it after a nuclear plant shuts down. Like. Any environmentalist group that wants a nuclear plant shut down, you already know they are an environmentalist group, that their number one priority is actually just anti-nuclear. And so anything they can they say can safely be discarded unless you're responding to a neutral public or to reporters or, you know, you have to be able to explain it. So on the fish eggs, it's the statement is this. Nuclear plants will have extremely small, extremely localized negative impacts on the environment. Most of them have localized, extremely positive impacts on the environment. And depending on how much space you give a nuclear plant, they end up filled with wildlife because the wildlife is not allowed to be killed at a nuclear plant. So you end up with large, large animals, both sea-based, air-based, and land-based large animals. They get bigger, they get fatter, they get fearless. They start to grow big horns if they're deer. They start to get grow uh, big bodies if they're fish. That's just the nature of a nuclear plant. You keep people from killing animals, and the animals love it, right? So the environmental stuff about the local impacts is just trash. There are a number of easy, cheap mitigation activities you can do if you're worried about a bit of fish eggs getting sucked in. You just make a little bit of a reef, or you just check the adult fish populations. If the adult fish populations are fine, then clearly the adult fish are not being hurt by having some eggs get sucked into a nuclear plant. Right? right. That's just the way that's just the way nature works. And the fact that environmental so-called environmental groups don't care about that and they don't care about the environmental damages of shutting down the plant just shows you they're not actual environmental groups. They're just, you know, microwave leftover boomers from the late 60s and 70s who are still trying to fight the Vietnam War by closing down all the nuclear plants. Like that's what you basically have. Right. And that's what you had in New York City. Um, so a lot of the environmental groups said, no, we can have hydropower coming to New York instead of nuclear. And as soon as the nuclear plant was shut down, they said, oh, uh, well, we, we thought about it again and we don't like hydro now. That's the way it works, right? So you can safely mm -hmm. disregard the environmental groups unless people are asking on the technical merits alone 
from outside of those groups. And of course, we need to completely destroy those groups. We need to rip up their taxes and status. We need to haul them in front of Congress to figure out where they're getting their money from and why they keep trying to shut down American yes. nuclear plants. Like it's really it is suspicious. Very, it is I think very you'll find suspicious. some really interesting things once that happens. Um, <laughs> and I think young people should know that anyone with those environmental groups on their resume should be permanently barred from yep. employment, basically anywhere in the power sector um, until the leadership that's shutting down nuclear plants gets out. Everybody who's, who's damaging our cities and our environment by shutting down nuclear plant, everybody involved in those entities needs to have a sort of collective responsibility because those same people would put that collective responsibility on people involved in institutions they don't like, you know? If they say coal's evil and you're involved in coal, then you see what I mean. There needs to be a lot more pain and damage done to both the individuals and the groups involved with shutting down nuclear plants. I think that that's one of the next next pathways. Other people can go for peace. I think that severe sanctions, punishment, career damage, that sort of thing needs to happen to those who have caused extraordinary harm to society for doing like the nuclear plant right in front of New York City that, you mm-hmm. know, in that bottleneck, the electricity bottleneck, the amount of natural gas that needs to be mm-hmm. burned to make up for that is immense. And you can't even get it for sure to the power plants to replace the nuclear. If there's a really bad uh, weather event that has the whole region cold, there yeah. just we- won't be enough natural gas for everybody. There just won't We've be because they alert expand from- the pipelines. And furthermore, the contracts for you, well, and that's only the beginning, you know, the contracts to bring in hydro, even if the environmental groups are defeated and hydro is brought in the hydro contracts say that Quebec doesn't have to supply it in winter emergencies. That, that, yeah, well, I was, well, I was saying we, we, we get like, so you realize how dangerous that yeah, is for New York City? I'm in Long Island. We have, we have, uh. These alerts for uh, Con Edison is sending us basically like about the natural gas, and I didn't really read it. I just pay the pay the tons of bills, but it's like the military, and there's not a lot of natural gas. And I'm like, bro, I was in Westchester, bro, when you know before we were 93%, you know, carbon in, in New York City when we had the nuclear. So like, don't don't even send me these. Like, I I know, I know. Don't send a $1,400 electric bill last month. Like we know. Like, you know, I get it. Oh, God. Here in here in Illinois, our governor did the opposite. I For a long time, I couldn't tell whether uh, Governor Pritzker was on the side of nuclear or not. I met him in person in Scotland. He's yeah. absolutely full-on nuclear-pilled as much as a person can be. It's wild, right? Um, he loves it. He loves, he loves talking about nuclear. He loves that he saved the nuclear plants, and he cares about it even beyond just the carbon, Amazing. he cares that he saved all the jobs. And at mm-hmm. the moment, you know, the bill that he signed is so consumer friendly. It's the nuclear plants are giving like a, a billion dollar windfall profit back to mm-hmm. us, me, the ratepayers, And they're still calling it a nuclear oh. subsidy. And the nuclear plants are subsidizing Illinois. Because wholesale electricity is about twice as expensive as the strike price what would for you the say, nuclear like, subsidy. Well, like, oh no, we're stupid. Did you guys we know don't this? Know anything? We just we're... 
No, never heard what that. What would you say like is the yeah. like the the like the <laughs> number like your your like the most important priority right now like in your in your world like did your and then sort of like a blues like something like really like is it like Diablo is it like like what like what like what like what is the most important thing on in, in on your like radar right now. It's a little bit hard to prioritize. You basically, it's very difficult to prioritize. I have, I, my, me and my staff are working on Diablo. We're working on Palisades. We're uh, basically anywhere in the world that somebody stands up and say, hey, I've got a local issue I want to fight. We're there for it. We want to hear what the problem is. We want to hear who the main players are. We want to hear whether they're already in contact with media, whether they're already building connections with reporters and and local and national leaders. We want to know how it divides politically. We want to know um, what the general energy situation is in that country. Everything we can possibly learn, we want to learn. And in return, we offer that knowledge gain from working on everybody else's problems before that. Our knowledge gain from working on, you know, nuclear closure issues as far back as 2016. The campaigns that I've been involved with are ones that we don't even think about now when we talk about saving nuclear plants. We were almost about to lose Connecticut's nuclear plant, Millstone. The grid operator up there who now is like, oh no, we don't have enough power. Well, they were saying it doesn't matter if we lose the nuclear plants. Only a few years ago, guys, they were saying it doesn't matter if we lose (laughs) the biggest power plant in New England. That's what they were saying. And they were saying, well, our three-year projections look fine and that's all we're paid to care about. That was the grid operator. Now they're saying they don't have enough power. Isn't that wild how things change? Anyway, back in 2017 and 18, Millstone was rolling off of its long-term electricity contracts and they weren't sure they were going to make enough money. And so the owner was going to close it unless they got some price mm-hmm. stabilization from the state. So we fought on that program. We fought on that on, on that battle to, to make sure scientists knew what was happening. We're willing to write an open letter. We made sure we were talking to reporters we made sure we were talking to anybody we could get a hold of about the importance of stabilizing that nuclear plant to keep it around. Now, I, you know, it's any, gov- any state government that did a deal with a nuclear plant to stabilize revenue in return for price caps is looking extremely good right now if only people understood what was happening. That's what happened in Illinois, too. We worked on the New York issue. That was a, that was a mess. I mean, great. We saved the upstate plants, but... The loss of any I mean, point well, I mean, how do you even awful for yeah. us? We worked on uh, Palo Verde in Arizona. How how can the like average UTwit account holder help like more or get more involved besides just tweeting like? Well, I it depends on whether you like. <laughs> or it depends on whether you like. Oh, people or not. He loves people, and he loves if he you, loves girls. If you don't like people, I'd say the. I love people. Yes. Okay. So if you if you love girls and boys and everybody and you like dealing with people, <laughs> we would love your time and energy. In which case, you just DM me or Paris Wines or the Stand Up for Nuclear Twitter account, and we will have an intro call with you and figure out what you're good at, where you're located, who you know, what you want to be involved with. And there's no minimum. There's no barrier anybody has to meet to be involved except to just like people enough to want to associate with them. Then we typically get people involved in WhatsApp groups that are organizing locally 
on specific issues. So for example, New York City has some. There, we can't save Indian Point right now. I mean, we'll always keep alive the idea that we somehow repower it or or have some miracle that turns it on. We'll never say no to that. But mainly it's about holding those who did it responsible, staying involved in all the local politics, making sure that where it's possible for New York City to buy nuclear electricity, that it continues, you know, that sort of thing, right? And helping support other campaigns using New York City's network and resources. We there's Being the financial capital of the world, there's a lot that can be done and should be done in New York City, including on ESG. And can like that's the next step. Actually meeting real life humans in New York to work on ESG issues I live for in New York. Year. That is vital. So I just said that for for New York, right? If you know, we have somebody in in Cleveland, there are two nuclear plants that continue to need support and each one has space for more reactors. You hear what I'm saying? New York art hide. Oh yeah. Hell, to work one of them, one of them has a reactor that was essentially completed and just never turned on. Not saying we can save that one, oh, just saying there's shit. a lot of nuclear to get really? added in, in Ohio. That would give that uh, saved the Ohio some value add now. to society. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you get you get my point. Those uh, are just what... two examples off the yeah. top of my head for two people who who are on this podcast, right? The other thing is um, putting on nuclear demonstrations costs money that almost always comes out of the pocket of volunteers. We have tried so hard to get the nuclear industries who would benefit from these demonstrations to support us. Uh, and they're always like, oh, well, we just love how independent you are. And we're like, we are proud of nuclear. We're not worried about being involved with the industry. We literally want your plants to survive. And we want you to do well and keep operating your nuclear plant. And they're like, well, no, it's just better if we don't involve ourselves. It, you know, it was particularly bad in Belgium where the organizers wouldn't even work with me at all. Wouldn't even get people came from all over <laughs> Earth to demonstrate for saving the nuclear plants in Brussels. And the nuclear industry there wouldn't even buy people. That makes gears. sense. My first girlfriend's Belgian. Terrible. Because wow. they don't want to sense. be involved in Belgium's. <laughs> Well, this isn't her fault, probably, but if you want to give her blame and I would feel better, you can. Um, yeah. the, the big thing for it me is be. that the industry doesn't want to support anything they can't control. And since they are not actually good at public relations at all, I don't know whether that's a blessing or a curse, boys. Is it bad if an industry that's horrible at public relations tries to get involved and wants to control oh. it with bad instincts? I don't know. Maybe if they got involved, they would get better at communicating with the public. Maybe. It's not guaranteed, but at least maybe there's a shot. Or do we do better not having an ultra control freak industry get involved with our public communications? It's hard to say. But when everyone's hungry and nobody even gets a beer out of coming to demonstrate, oh, that How much money would we have to pay right now to make Germans yeah. not um, stupid? About because I'm all of Czech. Oh, golly. I'm broke. So, in, so <laughs> Germans, Germans, the German movement, the German movement is several hundred people strong at this point, of which several dozen are extremely dedicated and have put an immense amount of hours and money into their own efforts. The amount it would take to hire a really soft, look, in Germany, anyone's for hire, right? That's how the Russians got him to do whatever they wanted, right? So like Germany is willing to get hired 
to do anything evil, right? They're just that's and they'll do it really well. That's the German way. Yeah. To counter that, you'd need to actually spend probably, you know, a few hundred thousand euros hiring really good Berlin-based lobbyists and probably a really good uh, pub- publicity firm. Part of the problem is because nuclear has been considered evil, the firms willing to work on it are are either second okay. rate. A few hundred k to make the very high rates, if that makes sense. Not as stupid. We could fund that. Well, look, wait, 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 wait. The Germans, the German public is already majority okay with including nuclear in their energy mix. So we've we've won that battle. That's great. In order to turn the tide, you would want to go in several directions at once. One of which would be, you know, the profet, quote unquote professional route. We're all kind of amateurs, I suppose, and and speaking to the public and putting on demonstrations. We're teaching ourselves and doing the best we can. But it's what you do before you hire the big guns, right? And the German industry isn't going to do it, really, because they are, until recently, they've been afraid to even speak up at all, at all about anything mm-hmm. in their own interest. And we've tried over the years to get the German industry like association to do anything, and they've been absolutely terrified of being seen to be pro-nuclear, which tells you something. So that's slightly turning, but the intervention would still be big. We have people ready to go shoot documentaries in the towns around the nuclear plant where you have all these incredibly respectable, lovely old Germans saying, we love this plant. This is really great. What are we going to do if we shut off the plant? We'll just be stuck. You know, you can get amazing footage from all around these towns, but it takes time, energy, and effort. Just having money to defray the cost, the driving cost of Germans to go to these towns and get this video, that would be something. Even a few a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars, and we could get Germans on the road every weekend getting interviews and historical records set on what the people around these nuclear plants think about their facilities. And also that tell me really if you think powerful, it's crazy, but, but it's just it's just the beginning. But but up in um, like in, in the you know, in the north, uh, like the mountain where they put the um don't they put like the windmills like on just people's like properties and it's just like a horrible I feel like you gotta be pissed. They just stick these giant like now people people won't really people won't really let those onto their property anymore. The current German plans are to put the offshore sized turbines on land in the national forests. So just destroy the forest. national forests. Great Germany. That's Thank the you. current plan. That. Mm. <laughs> Germans yeah, are forest left as it is. Yeah, they've been one of the only countries to really resist reforesting, um, and now they're wanting to go the other way. Look, in general, we're going to lose a lot of forest in, in Europe over the next few years because we're just going to find that anywhere people can justify cutting down anything, they'll try to do it because they need the energy. They've messed up their energy supply. Mm. Anyway, my point on Germany is just that there's an immense amount that could be done if there were people who wanted to see that change and were willing to contribute to it. And we we it would happen both with the people who are already volunteering their time and effort, just defraying more of their costs so they can be more active, put more put more effort in. It would be, you know, hiring folks in Germany, not by me. I'm not, I'm a foreign national. I'm not going to go hire lobbyists in Germany, but I don't need to. There are Germans who can get this done. And it would be, I think, probably more pressure put on Brussels, um, a voice given to the countries that are about to get screwed by Germany turning off its own nuclear plants, but a lot of that's already happening. We just so need to have so more okay. So that 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 
that that's really helpful. And I think, you know, like I know we you're 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 very like modest about some of this stuff, but I think there's like a um, there's like a GoFundMe and uh, you know like a lot of ways we can like support it. And we're like we're so like we are like in the uranium space, like we're all about it. And yes, it's partly because uh, we need nuclear for uranium, you know. <laughs> but um, like I, I will, I will share that 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 page for stand up for nuclear with everyone I know. And it's just like if we for sure. And the way that works is that 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 stand up for nuclear GoFundMe. We're not expecting to raise much there. That's not going to pay for my staff. It's not going to pay for other organization staff. That's to defray the direct expenses of putting on events that look good and attract press and public attention in capital cities and, and regional cities around the world. That's what that is, very strictly. Once we do have um, Stand Up for Nuclear set up with its own independent 501c3, that will enable a different kind of giving, but it's not there yet. We expect that to be uh, ready in third or fourth no, quarter this him. year. Do you guys hear him? Because I don't. Did we lose him? It was getting He's cut still out on here, bit. but I don't see him. Yeah, I was I was hearing that. Stand up for nuclear. Okay, well listen. Stand up for nuclear. Uh you can check Mark out at Energy Bants on Twitter. No, we gotta get him back. Website. No, 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 no. Let's uh, get him what back. Was it called? <laughs> Dang it. I just yeah, well, but he's still here. Still here. Falls we can't hear him. Still here. Well, I'd say we can't hear him. I don't. I don't know what to do then. Well, there's no forest in Germany. Got him. It's a Radiant Energy Fund. We need to get him back. You can go check it out there. Where's his out? Um, I think. He, oh, he says he says what's up in the chat. <laughs> if you refresh, bad internet on his end. We can, I mean, he must be in New York by your house, Courtney. I think. I feel dumber after this. I feel smarter, but also dumber. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's like super smart yeah. guy. Uh, clearly, really, really plugged in into the nuclear industry. Yeah. Uh, things that I wouldn't even know to think about, you know? So, anyway, uh, very happy he came on. Uh, I feel... We do feel dumber. <laughs> Where did he go? I definitely do. Oh, he's offline now. I think he bounces back in here. Hang on. I, he's coming back. Hey, cool. okay, okay, perfect. We get Spice. Sorry, we, we missed like the last... Oh, here he is. Yes. Oh my God. This is going to be a mess later. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll, we'll have it on here. Don't worry about it. Yes. Yes. Let's do lighting. Perfect. Let's do lighting. Yeah. Like, yeah, like so a rapid what, fire. What is it going to take? Beard. Can you do, you got to do it. In I'm going to pause it. I'd love to hear Mark talk about the drivers that led to the first global nuclear build-out of hundreds of new reactors and how that compares to hashtag climate change, hashtag net zero, hashtag energy crisis, and hashtag energy independence drivers we are seeing unfold today on the cusp of another nuclear renaissance. <laughs> there you go. John Coates. All right. And the answer is, when looking at fossil fuel reserves, energy technologies available, rivers left to dam, and uranium reserves, 
nuclear looked like the most inexhaustible energy source. It's the only one that didn't have to worry about where the fuel was physically coming from. Natural gas supply chains weren't built out and natural gas turbines weren't high performance enough. And so nuclear was the cheapest and most secure long-term energy source. We were building nuclear plants that are still in operation today in four or five years for an inflation-adjusted cost of a few hundred million dollars. It really was an extraordinary time. Um, did we know completely how to operate the nucle nuclear plants well and safely? Eh, maybe not entirely. We melted one over at Three Mile Island, and our capacity factors were very, very low. I got to emphasize just how bad these nuclear plants were operating, and it was terrible for the utilities that built them to have their new plants, even if built cheaply, operating at 50 or 60% capacity factor. So although it was a golden age in some ways where the record for largest power plant, largest turbine kept getting set and reset and reset and reset for plants that were being built on time and mostly on budget, uh, it just was not great for performance. And now we have the opposite. We can barely build the damn things, but we operate them like each one a minor a minor technical miracle, you know, 92, 93, 94, 95% up times for many of these reactors over the last few years. So in terms of are, are the drivers still there? Yes, they are still there. Are the brakes, are the things in our way insurmountable? I think no. I think no. There's plenty of uranium, and if we need more, we can find more. The price of the uranium isn't a big... Right, you just got to pay up, suckers. Yeah, exactly. It's not a significant yeah, limitation be, yeah. on the operation of nuclear plants. Sanction um, you, Russia. And <laughs> we we just need to learn how to build the plants again. Now, finance, that's going to be a little, bit, a little bit tricky because most financial institutions have completely eliminated any expertise they have on nuclear. One of the reasons I'm, I'm so optimistic about the impact of the uranium investment space is that it's the way that financial institutions are regaining expertise in nuclear power. Yes. So yes. the war in Ukraine is awful. And it's also taught a lot of countries a bunch of important lessons that they will want to forget as soon as they can, but they can't yet. There's still an active war. And that, that war says this, you may think you have the energy you need because you've built a pipeline and signed a gas contract. That is not the same thing as having a secure energy supply. That's what we like to yeah. say in the uranium space. There we're all we're all nuclear experts now. Yeah. We're all sanctions experts, and we're all war experts. Well, now with that little lesson, you're nuclear history experts. Congratulations! Thank yes. you very much. All right. All right. So we got a other. next question. Yeah. We got a we got a question from Harry. Yes. What can be done to speed up the completion of large reactors? For example, is the new UK model a solution? So when he said large and he said the new UK model, I don't know for sure whether he's talking about things we addressed in the previous question. That is the, you know, the um, medium modular reactors that Rolls-Royce is proposing. Correct. But I think that's what he's talking about. SMR versus the big guys, right? Right. So the big guys, how to speed it up is to do it again. And to have as many of the people involved in the first one get involved with the next one. Have as many of the managers carry over. Have people who did a good job get promoted. Have people who did just fine but definitely were the ones to pour the concrete or bend the rebar or to do various tasks. To have as many of them as possible on the second site. 
and to have that happen as soon Repeatable as possible. success. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and you, this is kind of what you're referring to earlier when you said the UK's got a hard decade ahead. Right. Because, are because even well, it's gotcha. something different. Even if they do this, even if they do the good things that I I just said, they're still going to have a huge gap without enough energy. It's going to be quite terrible for their for yeah. their country. But this this means that there would be a light at the end of the tunnel. Now, I yeah, think that, that the sense. UK should concentrate their effort as much as possible on whatever they have going now. We're pretty certain the reactor is going to physically work. We're pretty sure that they're going to be able to build it. I think that they should take in as much of the intellectual property as possible. I think they should have as big of an order book as possible, maybe another few pairs of these exact reactors, make it UK as much as possible, call it the God save the queen pressurized water reactor, you know, instead (laughs) of EPR, the uh, G-S-T-Q-P-R, right? Whatever it takes to call it British. They love corgis and and, uh, queen loves corgis. Yeah, call it a corgi power, whatever. Just whatever it takes to make sure that they stay on the same path long enough to get good at it. I think that's really important. I don't know if they're planning to do that. I think they're planning to have at least one more copycat reactor project, but um, I don't know. After that, they're kind of saying they want to open it up and everybody can bid on more large reactors and they'll be undertaking at least one small reactor program at the same time and maybe two it's kind of chaos but i guess if all the brightest minds in all of britain and tons of capital from all the pension funds and the state all just pour into nuclear and good managers deal with it maybe it'll work out i just get nervous when i hear of lots of programs in the same country competing for attention and talent when they haven't proven they can do one well yet Mm -hmm. i have a question hit me so um on the um so like the financial players entering the space it's obviously like the most important thing in uranium but if it's you know it's it's obviously it's good for like spreading awareness in nuclear because it gets you know the people with money thinking about these issues so what is the hesitation for like a nuclear someone who's like a nuclear power plant or a company that's like can make more nuclear just to like make the spot price like a hundred million or three, it doesn't make a difference to their bottom line. So if it, you know, makes the financial players happy, it'll make us rich in the process, which is helpful. But just thinking about nuclear, like why not? Like what's the, like, what's the difference? Nuclear can pay whatever, just, you know, make the spot price like 500 billion will retire. Financial players will be happy. It'll be a great narrative for nuclear. We'll get more nuclear. Like, what, like, what am I missing here? What, what can we just do this? So that was a little bit more of a statement than a question. Let me say this. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me let me interpret that question the way I wanted it to be, which is why do big financial institutions seem incapable of accepting that nuclear is ESG and is part of a low carbon future or whatever people say they care about day to day? Exactly. It's that was if the mid-level people who are interested in nuclear at these big entities were leaders who could be the first one to stand up and say it, they probably wouldn't be at some of those companies. Now, that's a little too harsh. We are hearing stories about young people in big financial uh, companies standing up and saying, we think, I think, my team thinks that nuclear is green. Here are all the reasons we think that. Here are all the experts who agree. We should, as a company, except that nuclear is green. And those battles are taking place across the financial industry. Huge. That's right so now. Huge. The young people don't understand why the old people won't accept nuclear. 
But yes. the old people are doing a combination of moving on and accepting nuclear. A bunch of the biggest financial names in the world, the leaders, the old guys, don't think that intermittent energy is investable. And the only reason they do that is they know they're getting one over on the house. They're able to flip projects onto other unsuspecting groups. They're able to lock in um, the, the known upside and dump the bad stuff and the uncertainty off onto society or to uh, other owners. Like That's the reason they've been doing green energy so far. Mm. Those leaders know they're only doing it for the cash. When they see that nuclear is being accepted by other people as green, they will arrive. It's just a domino effect that we're and we're waiting for the first dominoes to fall. Fortunately, European Union in their own slow, awkward mm-hmm. way has declared that nuclear is green. That's going to come into force this summer. Okay, the question this is summer. yes. Interesting. Germany has already Somebody said that they're going to vote against it, but they won't sue to block it. Yeah, the EU taxonomy. That's a big. Yeah. That's a catalyst. That is an important catalyst, but it we was. need to be having conversations with folks in the ESG part of every single bank, every investment group, every uh, asset manager that we can. We need to be having constant conversations. We need to be in all of their conferences. One of the reasons I like your space so much and guys like Art Hyde is that they have been persistent in getting Mm -hmm. involved in mainstream financial industry events, conferences, webinars, talking about nuclear as ESG they aren't waiting for the ratings agencies to catch up. They're making it to where other people pay a price if they don't catch up, if that makes sense. They're making mm-hmm. it to where they're just asserting that nuclear is ESG because it is. And then they're making sure that that idea is planted in everybody's minds. Everybody else is waiting for somebody else to jump. The morning stars, right? The market mm-hmm. makers, the ESG ratings groups, they're all having these conversations internally. We just need a catalyst and we just need extra pressure everywhere mm-hmm. to get nuclear added. It, it will, it will happen. I mean, wouldn't the, wouldn't the lights when. be going out? Wouldn't the lights be going out pressure? I mean, I feel like we're just on the cusp of this happening across the grid and in multiple countries. I, I think that <laughs> at some point you're grasping for answers and this one's just sitting here waiting uh, you know, it's, it's proven it runs how much power in, in the world now, like 20%, something like that. I well, mean, it's, it's it doesn't, it's not dependent upon weather, you know, like, why are we so stupid? I know. <laughs> and is, is it, is of course a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you keep the best money, the best managers and a lot of the best talent out of nuclear, it's going to keep doing a bad job. And there's something else. Once those things get in nuclear, there will be a lot of pressure against the same the elite organizations whose heads and principals and donors are around the same networks to get on board the program. Here's a catalyst that I think that not enough people are talking about. Jeff Bezos is now actively posting on Twitter. Have you noticed? Uh, yep. I, no. Yeah, well, he is. He yeah, also he was, gave uh, $100 million. He also gave $100 million to the organization working to shut down American nuclear plants. But he did that before he was active on Twitter. Were he you, giving money to the people that want to shut it down? Yeah, he didn't care. He didn't know that wasn't his issue. You bastard. Bezos. All he knew is that he had a bunch Bastards. of money to give to environmental groups to look good, and he gave money to NRDC. He's, he, he cannot escape. His entire 
Twitter network now is pro-nuclear. If you look at, see who's following, who's involved with, it's pro-nuclear people uh-huh. in his peer group. Oh, and yeah. He's going to see it and he's going to get excited about nuclear. It may have already happened. Washington Post published a, hey, everybody, we just discovered nuclear article like two weeks ago that almost certainly had something to do with the very smart, very clever people at Washington Post seeing which way the wind was blowing uh, in Jeff's world. And that Shit. is towards being active online and learning about nuclear. How, so, you know what happens if you go on Twitter to be anti-nuclear? You get oh, mobbed, yeah. not oh, just oh, by oh, the oh. activists in my community, but oh, by the Uranium you. people in yours. We will slice you. We will slice yeah, you. Slaughter, yeah. right? We will slice you. So <laughs> pay attention. Pay That's attention so to interesting. Jeff. That's so somebody, interesting. Somebody needs to get Jeff's attention about how much money he gave to a group shutting We're down American it. nuclear. We're so interested in, in in Musk Daddy, but we forgot about uh, Bezos. Big, Musk, big, big Musk Daddy Bezos. is nuke-pilled. He's solidly nuke-pilled. But he just, Bezos is... He just, gave, he just gave Corgi so much meme material for the next few weeks. Oh, man. Oh, no. That's gonna be a He's going week. after Bezos. Well, in a good way, right? Did I interpret that correctly? Yes. So gonna, that's that's what I'd say. Them. There's a social issue. There's social cowardice, social status at play in the mainstream financial players going to nuclear. The reason why Britain deciding on more nuclear is so important is not because they're necessarily going to be good at it. They certainly need the energy, but because they're one of the two centers of global finance, right? Along with New York. Yes. And UK-based players are going to be able to invest giant pension money in giant nuclear plants. So one of the ironies of people talking about how, how good it is to shrink nuclear until it's small enough that small players can invest in, well, big players need big investments. You think yes. the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund is looking to build a few test SMRs? No. If they go for nuclear, they need giant nuclear and they need big fat slices of it. A few billion at a time. Oh. Can you all hear anybody? Yeah. I think, we're, I think we're reconnected now. Sorry. Dude, we've been connected. Mark, you still there? I hear you all. Hey, what the hell are you talking about, B? 100K? BT. Okay. Hit, hit another, hit another one of the there lightning round questions. Let's go. Oh my uh, I'll give you. Can I, can I just give you some yes or nos? They just have in my head. Sure, but I hate being trapped in yes or nos. I'll give it a shot though. <laughs> okay. Uh, are there any ladies on in nuclear single that you know of uh, that 100k? That would be because the, 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 we've been talking about the uranium nuclear. It'd just be nice. Just say no. There are lots of amazing people of all genders in the nuclear space. What's a, what's so fantastic about the current groundswell of support for nuclear is that tons of the leaders that we're seeing rise up and self-select to to step out and take risks and be leaders are women um it's yes. always a messy thing to date within within small advocacy circles so everybody should join and make big advocacy circles and then it becomes easier to find people who are just as excited about nuclear as you guys are i will say this it is a great look to be excited about something yes. that is both good and a little dangerous sounding. <laughs> yeah, and like so that. if you play yes. your cards right and you, yes. and you develop your other attributes as a, as a potential partner, as a man, then I think there's a way to be extremely into nuclear and to make that a shining, you know, shining tribute to your personality rather than a detraction. 
I couldn't agree. Wow. Well said. Well said. Uh, is it true that nuclear, that anti-nuclear also hate uh, puppies? Yes. Oh, you're asking me to do blood libel on the anti-nukes. Let me tell you a little story. So I was in Toronto a few days ago for the premiere of a documentary about the birth of the nuclear movement. It was kind of interesting. One of the most prominent anti-nuclear people in Canada showed up, waited all the way through this long documentary, stood up and said, well, I have more of a comment than a question, then proceeded to say just the dumbest anti-nuclear stuff, right? And she got shouted down. No, it wasn't. Nope. She got shouted down by everybody in the audience. And then I was sad afterwards because she was trying to give everybody her little flyers. And I realized this is one of the most prominent anti-nuclear people in Canada. She either convinced zero of her supporters to come along or has so little money she has zero staff that she could make come along. So she was there alone in a room of 100 people all excited about nuclear energy, watching the documentary, making the documentary, starring in the documentary. She was all by herself, right? She didn't kick any puppies, but it made me realize she probably pretty much the scenes. We're on the edge of winning culturally. There are evil people in the anti-nuclear movement, but once we really win, we're going to get evil people in the pro-nuclear movement. We've just been mostly uh, lucky to be small enough that it hasn't seemed to happen that much, right? So although I I see the urge to cast blood libels and say they kick puppies and they, they, you know, they... uh, grind up orphans to make austerity protein packs, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, we should have some empathy for them as we work as fast and as we can to make their day come to an end. Shit, now I feel bad about myself. The more people we I get... Liked, I liked you more thing. earlier when you said we should sabotage their careers. Yeah, yeah, but you can do that while also offering a friendly hand and being supportive <laughs> and a shoulder to cry. Oh, Yeah, true. I'm not saying drive them out of all of society, just polite society. But they've done like colossal damage. (laughs) Sure, sure. And especially the older, the more senior they are, the more powerful they are, the more more unforgivable it is. Young people need a route back eventually to being being involved in good things. Um, Most young people who are involved in anti-nuclear activities don't really have a fear of it. They have other reasons. I don't know, some job reason or they didn't like the first pro-nuclear person they met because it was Corgi or, or whatever reason. They <laughs> they were turned off nuclear and they just have a grudge against it and they want to kick it, right? Um, yeah. We need a path back for those people. And let me say this too. I find that if I build relationships with people based on whatever we have in common, it gets a lot more progress done on nuclear than I could if I just was quote tweeting and dunk tweeting. I used to love doing that. I I almost never do that now. I I like to show up in people's DMs and if they want to have a conversation or something, I prioritize that. Not saying that that path is for everybody, just that nuclear is going to win. Yes. We will speed it up by being really fun people to hang out with, converse with, and to build a new world with. That's so beautifully stated. And that just reminds, reminds me so much of of Cuomo and his anti-nuclear spiel. And, you know, he was on top and he got his Emmy, you know, doing the morning COVID routines. And look what happened. Um, it's a lesson, you know, then the sexual assault, the, the Emmy got taken out of, uh, taken, you know, he's not the governor anymore. 
his brother got removed from CNN. Uh, so that's a good, so just, uh, I got one. Are we up for another lightning round question? What was wrong with that? What was wrong with that? I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention when you talked. God damn Um, it. How dare you? Steve asked me a question. Who's that? How dare you? To pass on. He wants to know how soon the the Japanese realistically can restart uh, their remaining reactors. Four days. Next. (laughs) Okay, so the honest answer is it's going to depend on the reactor and it's going to depend on on this winter and how bad the shortages are. Um, You can find schedules online of where what what are the what are the progress uh, milestones hit by each of the reactors to turn back on. Many reactors are ready to go. It's just a question of where local democracy and local law is. It's clear that Japanese society has discovered that there are bigger risks out there than nuclear and they're surrounded by them. I think that Japanese reactors are going to turn on uh, increasingly rapidly over the next two years. They are going to be very sketchy years for energy and very strong years for any politician in Japan who says I'm pro-nuclear. Two years? You mean two months? Uh, (laughs) look, Japan works by consensus. That's sometimes very good, like Japan just having its deep state realize that it needs to keep all the nuclear plants that it has remaining. So that's good, right? Mm -hmm. Cherish that. The bad side is when the consensus is that no one should be upset by rudely raising your seawall, implying that it wasn't high enough before, right? No one should be upset by the results of bad safety checks. So just don't worry about them. Like that's, that's bad consensus. Good consensus is deciding that nuclear is too important to lose. Um, bad consensus is to say that, well, even if there's a national energy emergency, you can't force the issue. Good consensus is saying that if we turn on nuclear reactors the right way with local approval, it will create a long lasting base for keeping them on forever. So you could put it, you could, you could see good and bad in how slow they're going, Right. I think that the movement is in the correct direction. And although you, I know you guys want to see it starting now, you want to see that uranium headed towards Japan now, they are setting up for a permanent restart of a lot of reactors. Nice. Okay. We can dig Just that. Just be a little bit patient. They will get there. Okay. Okay. That's good. Well, if anything, we're not patient. I can tell you that. Last question. I have one more before we let you Ooh, go. It's got to be a good one. Uh, it's got to be a good one. <laughs> I, did, I like this one. I like this one's my own personal oh, one. I didn't get it from anybody else. <laughs> oh, Two more questions. Jeez, <laughs> oh, you're such a dick. Uh, all right, so there's always a concern about nuclear waste. Oh, no. No, 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 no. What no. do we do with okay. it? And where does it go? It, you, it's you, under you, a mountain you, somewhere. Uh, hey, hey, uh, Corgi, no. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you. Shut the fuck up. No, just don't ask Why can't we just push. blast it into space on a rocket? Can, Why can't we do it? Because you can. And, okay. 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 Hey, take that, Corgi, you little bitch. <laughs> apologize to you, BT. Apologize to you. I don't. I don't accept it. So, so what Get we got? What we got here talk. was. What we it. got here was. Can you put nuclear waste on a rock and blast it off? Right. Yes. It would be Basically. dishonest because it implies that nuclear waste is more dangerous than it is. 
So I don't believe in doing dishonest things like that. I think nuclear waste should be treated as exactly as dangerous as it is. No less so, no more so. I keep nuclear waste in my pocket. It may, you know, I, I, that's how little yeah. that's how little danger it is. Yes. Really? I just thought you were happy to see us. No, anyway. yeah, it gives me it gives me stimulation when I when I when I. So with good times. The comedy answer on blasting nuclear uh, waste off is that we already do it. We call it uh, RTG, you know, thermal generators for our most valued and precious space missions. Haha. <laughs> uh, more serious answer is nuclear waste should not even go into facilities like Yucca Mountain. Those facilities really? imply that nuclear is a special threat. It is a lie. One of the only things I see eye to eye on with anti-nuclear people is that Yucca Mountain shouldn't exist. If Nevadans see such a hustle in making and profiting from a nuclear waste storage that they build it themselves and start making bank, you know, shipping nuclear waste casts there, then let Nevada do that. But they need to do that out of the fear of missing out from revenue streams from hosting nuclear waste. You see what I mean there? That's a really good segue yeah. into our Nevadans make a business case for why Nevada should host nuclear waste and they get it built and they get it done and they say we deserve some of the nuclear waste trust fund because this is going to make everybody's problems go away, then maybe they should. But because the nuclear waste isn't that dangerous, it should never be a punishment. It should not be a reputational hit. We should do what the Dutch do and make extremely high access to the public waste because it's not dangerous people can visit it i have visited nuclear waste in multiple countries now i have hugged nuclear waste uh, storage canisters it was fine i felt warmth coming up through the floor from from uh from nuclear waste storage facilities in the netherlands for example there needs to be a cafe at the nuclear waste site. There needs to be public access. There needs to be tours. There should be interpretive museums. There Best. should be a bidding war over cool radioactive artifacts that can show the story of nuclear and nuclear waste. For example, the Dutch got there first. They got one of the few remaining traveling samples used by uh, Professor Madame Curie, Marie Curie, in her lectures. And you can visit it while you're looking wow. at the nuclear waste they have stored. They have a little exhibit set up to show you that they were able to obtain uh, an actual sample carried by Madame Curie. When you see value being placed on the activity that produced the waste, pride being put into the safe management of the waste, and, and creative effort putting into making it interesting to look at and to visit, that's when the public will wisely see that nuclear energy is good and not bad. Because there's almost no waste, Powerful. what you do with it is nearly arbitrary except for the societal implications, cultural message you're sending. The engineering message is dumb. There should be almost no engineers involved beyond just making sure the waste casks are thick enough. The rest should be architects, and there should be interior d designers. There should be archivists. There should be, uh, you know, good baristas at the cafes. If, if you put enough nuclear waste in one spot that you can get a big enough visitor stream to justify cafes, then you need to staff them with good baristas. In other words, if the activity that made nuclear waste is valuable and as precious to society as we say it is, it needs to be reflected in how we manage the waste itself. Amazing. We should with have respect, 
with public access and not with fear. Yeah, we should sell T-shirts that say nuclear waste is cool. We should have, hell yeah, we should have a Starbucks, and they should have a Starbucks there with like a uh, like a nuclear uh, like um, theme drink that has like ten shots. Yeah, sure. Now you're thinking in terms that reflect how safe the current management of nuclear waste is, right? Mm -hmm. To blast it off into space implies that there's something risky, yes, dangerous or ugly about nuclear energy. Yeah, that's why I was like BT. That's crazy. <clears throat> oh, shut the fuck up! You are not saying like, that. No. Like, why would you? Oh, yeah. So just send it in a new. That, that didn't make any sense to me. We but the waste issue is. Would, yeah, we were telling him they should just have cafes and stuff, and he was like, "No, blast it off into space." I'm like, dude, we keep this stuff safely well, stored, and you know, yeah. like we don't, we don't know, need to we do. blast it's, it off into space because it's so dangerous. Well, I mean, it's it's more around the thought that there's a perception out there oh, that is sure. not correct. Sure. So why don't we just like eliminate the perception? Let's stick it all in a Tesla and let Elon fucking send it to space. But I like Mark's response better is, you know, the reality is it's not something to worry about. And we should treat it like that. And then it that means we can me. do things like painting in bright colors and interesting designs, the waste canisters, because it doesn't make it any less safe. It's not going to attract people. We already have a security perimeter set up. And then we need a lot more people visiting these. We need more ESG policymakers visiting nuclear plants. Why don't we have pictures of the top ESG thinkers in the world visiting the Dutch waste? Why don't we have that now? Why don't we have them visiting the nuclear plants? Ideally, not American plants that, that are going to scare them with guns and triple triple barbed wire fences and all the other weird paranoia security theater left over from 9-11. Skip that. Let's have, let's have the most important American thinkers in ESG visit foreign nuclear plants. That won't we need Bezos. Them. We need Bezos there. Sure. Let's get Bezos to go visit the Dutch nuclear plants, and then we'll get some real progress, I think. And hopefully he can completely strip all funding from NRDC that he's ever given and make sure that they know they're never getting it again. That would be my goal. That would be amazing. Love it. Corgi, did you have a question or were you just giving me shit? I was giving you shit because you said blasted into space. Okay, so you, again, again, nothing. You bring nothing to the table. Uh, well, listen, I think we've got, we've, we left, we had, there's so much more to talk about, there is. which we're not going to yeah, do. Yeah, you'll come back. Uh, but yeah, and so Mark, whenever you disappeared for a minute, we tried to like plug your GoFundMe and your website and stand up for nuclear. Can we uh can we just have you throw those out there real quick uh for anybody who might be interested in furthering the cause? Everyone should and be interested. We'll, uh, they're, we'll, they're, 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 everyone should be yes. we all just give like 10, 10, 15 bucks, I swear to God, to his to the GoFundMe. We're gonna get uh Bezos yeah. in the Dutch place. <laughs> and like, but this is what we need to do right. because we need we need faces and yeah, know, we, we need to, be able to buy their beer. Come on, guys! And like, we need your presence. Yes, we thing. need your presence at the events um, as much as we Let's want your money. Um, and so, if you're able to contribute, if anyone in your community is able to contribute, not only will we tell you exactly where the money's going, we will get lovely thank you letters and from multiple corners of the earth and multiple languages for people thanking you for supporting their efforts. We will show you a roadmap of where where those efforts are going in each of the countries we're involved in. And we will get you invites to come support in person and to meet the phenomenal people involved in the activist movement. And I have to tell you guys, the activist movement and the uranium 
uh, community is starting to merge and it couldn't happen. It couldn't happen at a better time. Can't happen soon enough, quite frankly. We can meet Isabel? Uh, yeah, she 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 puts on rallies to support Diablo Canyon. There are definitely going to be ways to meet Isabel. If you're willing to travel, show up and help support us in our efforts. I'll go to Diablo what right now. She wants to she I don't think she's invested in uranium. Let I, she can correct us if that's wrong. She wants to see people writing letters to the editor. She wants to see people, especially in California, contacting their congressmen, contacting their state reps and state senators. She wants them contacting their community choice yes. aggregators, their CCAs. She wants them spending a few hours on their evenings showing up on the Zoom calls for their community choice aggregator electricity supplier saying, we demand nuclear or we will tell everyone we know to dump your service. Because you you can. You can dump the community choice aggregator electricity provider in California. That's a good, that, 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 that we should have a Zoom call where um, somehow, training? whatever sure. your well, whatever your nuclear is on these, um, like you have a zoo, like get get we get these we get these uranium spaces and there's like twenty million of us. Then let like me we, say to this, let, let me say this to your get, community. We should be in there for with a Zoom. Let, let me say this to your listeners. If you have a bad day in uranium, congrats. It's one of the only sectors where you can go and directly get out your frustrating your frustration by doing activism for nuclear around the world. You have a way to contribute now, okay? And for all so the activists, if you think your activism is going to be successful, talk to the uranium community and yes. get involved in investing. Get some skin in the game. It goes Simpatica. both ways. The Simpatica. activists have soul in the game in most cases. The uranium people have skin in the game. Let's get both on both sides, and we might do, make some magic. All right, you, twit, you heard That's them. We're doing. We're that makes magic. a lot of sense. That's perfect. Hey, we want to see receipts. We want to see receipts yeah. online. <laughs> we have, so we Mark, have tons of receipts. Where, where, where do they find you to of receipts donate? Of, of, uh, if you mean them literally, receipts of what it takes to put oh, on I mean, I mean, my we boys on YouTube. No, no, no. He means we want to see receipts of the YouTube. Yes, from, from our cash Yes, our YouTube guys. Let's see it. Let's put it online. Let's pump it up for everybody. But this is a good cause. Uh, it's definitely mm. tied into what we're doing. But like, again... This is the good behind the gains we're trying to get, and we're all we're all kind of trying to work towards a better future. Mark, where can they find you online? At Energy Bants on Twitter. My DMs are forever and always open to the to the crowd. It's how you guys slithered in in part. Um, <laughs> That's true. And you can also find at Stand Up for Nuclear, which is which is you can just scroll down and see the incredible work that people are doing around the world almost entirely on their own dime, which they're willing to do. But any support that volunteers get around the world to do their activities goes a really far away. There are people willing to put on conferences in their capital cities of, of places that don't have nuclear yet in ways that could tip the tide in that entire country towards nuclear. And the only thing they need to know is that there's a few hundred dollars or maybe a thousand dollars to underwrite the event, depending on which, you know, which level of development in the country we're talking about. That sort of thing produces headlines, XYZ country considering nuclear. And it's true, and they should be, but our limitation is, is in many cases, just small contributions that can make the volunteers on the ground able to take risks without putting their own, uh, you know, their own money too deeply in so that they lose their wife or they lose their partner, that they lose their friends. So there is a way to contribute. I know we'll be able to solve this. We should be able 
to make this year's stand-up for nuclear season in September by far the biggest ever. And it's in, you know, your guys' hands to make that happen. We're up for the challenge. Okay. Well, we're going to try. We're going to try our best. And I think it's great. Uh, obviously, I would love a little bit more nuclear here in Texas since they killed six plants this week when it got too hot at 94. So... I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of yours, Mark Corgi. Yes. You know, I kind of, kind of am a fan of you. Hunter K. I think you're pretty solid. <laughs> but Mark, thank you for coming on this week. Uh, I appreciate it. We all are. We're not dumber. We're smarter. We just feel dumber uh, after having talked to you. And uh, listen, all gratitude. For do you, do you tell all your guests that you feel dumber after they come on? Oh, I feel very. We, dumb we go, right you're now. the only the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we wake up feeling dumb, but like at least we're consistent, you know, like the power that would come from a nuclear plant. Bam. There you go. Dad joke. Well, yes, I'll anyway, tell you guys, in, in response, I feel dumb listening to you in the best way. What I mean is <laughs> you have to be dumb <laughs> to stand up for nuclear energy when even the industry can barely do it itself or barely wants to. You have to be dumb to fight for something that's so unloved and so unwanted. Now that the sentiment is turning around, all of us dumb people can actually have fun together watching the tide turn. We just need to keep at it or we're not going to save all the nuclear plants and we're not going to get enough countries starting their nuclear programs fast enough. Yes. Yep. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. And and for those of us in the trade, we we kind of trade on being contrarians, loving something when everybody else hates Mm -hmm. it. And where, where we find success is whenever everybody else turns the corner and realizes maybe we were right the whole time, mm-hmm. right? You know, this, this is this is exactly the same, except we're actually building towards something that powers our everyday life. That's super important. So again, listen, I think we all want the same things. And uh, some of us are a little bit more eloquent than <laughs> others, Mark, uh, you know, with saying it. But again, one more time, thanks for coming on. And I think for this week kids that's going to wrap it up so we'll see what happens yeah thanks mark We came up at that basement, we was dance stuck. I was down bad on my ass, I had no job, I was fucked up, yeah. Now I get to sit back and laugh while you haters are mad and you counting your pay stubs. I do this all on my own. Right after wake up, I go get my cake up. I gotta get me a bag, steady type of cash on my bro that same shit. No, I don't fuck on no lame bitch, can't even fuck on the same shit. I heard your shit in this swag, that shit is so sad, put in work at that basement. I charge you double that payment. Look, boy, I'm not one you can play with. Watch out, everyone come for that ride out, yeah Say watch out, watch out we came with that dog pound, yeah Say watch out, everyone come for that ride out, yeah Say watch out